He used to do that to us twice a day. I don't know how you took it. You learned to love the rope. That's how you beat them. That's how you beat people who torture you. you learn to love them. And they don't know you're beating them. Discovering stuff they didn't even know existed, which is a lot of what this Tubi stuff is. Yeah, wait, shit, there it is. But you had the perfect opening when we blew it. Fuck that. Let's start right now anyways. Hello, <laughs> and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinated with Films. <laughs> Anytime you can make your point before the first episode. I know, man. <laughs> on why, and, and I get it. Listen, I'll, I have criticisms with this movie we're going to talk about, but I liked the movie. Yeah, well, this is that's what all, this whole new segment, if you're joining us, now we are about to start our new segment. We were doing our Friday favorites before we were all picking a movie of our, off our top 100 list, and we've moved to something called Tubi Tuesdays, where I'll watch a movie that I think Dave or Justin will like, and uh, that is generally a good movie. It's a good movie. All these movies we're going to be talking about on Tubi Tuesdays are, are, are really good movies that people aren't familiar with, because that's what I love about Tubi, is that... Uh, and obviously they are not uh, they're not paying for this uh, this plug or anything but I just like the service and I love the fact that there is a ton of obscure good movies on there I mean they've got some mainstream movies on there too but the obscure ones like if you're into 80s skin flicks or obscure horror movies or 70s action films or yeah. 70s dramas I, man this I'm, thing is the, for you as a business person I am such a huge fan of this business model where yeah. you have stuff and you give it away and, the ads and you show ads all. and the ads pay me it's what not, I would have charged. It's not long end ads user. either. And no. The like 45 seconds is yeah. the longest one. And we grew up at commercials. Yeah. So, so it's easy for us. It's easier for us. All right. Before we get into that, anyway. let's, let's, let's draw it back a little bit. How have you been? You been I've been good? good. Do you have a good Christmas? I think I did. Yes, I definitely had a good Christmas. As usual, I just ate food and I watched a ton of movies. And what did you eat? Uh, <laughs> son, bitch. <laughs> well, yeah. Tell me more. Uh, Dave's ruining it. All right, Christmas hasn't happened yet. God but this is really sad. For I, I was hoping you'd try to make up a menu. You could have done that. I could. I could have done here, that. Here, cut it. Cut it right here. No, no, no. no, no. I, can't, I can't be that fake with these people. They'll, they'll see right through us, Dave. Okay. All right, but I do have some fantastic movies that I have watched. And, well, one fantastic movie, one really good uh, movie, and one decent movie. I'm going to start and I'll work my way up. Uh, so, one of the movies I watched, so this one, I don't think this one was on Tubi, but it might have been, actually, and it was called Cop Shop. I had heard a weird recommendation from somebody who was like, hey, if you like such and such, check out Cop Shop. And it was a quite an interesting movie. It was a little bit too kind of... Um, uh, made for TV almost, but it was a modern movie for sure. But I think they could have done better with it. It starred Frank Grillo, who got famous in the Purge movies, and he was in uh, he's he's been in a lot of different stuff. He was in the Marvel universe too. But mainly, it's uh, the main drawer in it was Gerard Butler. His face is on the cover for sure. And he hadn't done a lot of movies in a long time. He ballooned up a little bit too, and he but he looks good in the movie. And what happens at the beginning of the movie is you see. 
Frank Grillo come over to a cop and just punch her in the face and screams, arrest me. She, you know, he wanted to intentionally get arrested. You can't realize why. That's the, a good, if you're listening yeah. out there, that's a good way to do yeah, it. Yeah, that is definitely a good way to do it. And all of a sudden you see Gerard Butler in a car close by slam into a cop car intentionally so he can get arrested, so he can get to Frank Grillo. And you realize, oh... Gerard Butler's an assassin. He's trying to get to Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo's been arrested because he thinks he can, he can get away from him. And Gerard Butler gets himself hoping that they're going to be put in the same cell and he'll just kill him. <laughs> I don't know what his idea was after that. There was too many loopholes. That's why I went. They put him in different the movies like 10 minutes long. No, no. They did to... put him in different cells. So oh. They're across from each other and everything. Well, I mean, that was kind of the premise of, uh, of uh, that prison movie, um, the really graphic one. Uh, oh yeah, the uh, cell block and he, uh, the fight. Nine block. Yeah, Brawl he had 99. to get himself transferred to another prison to go. True. I mean, it yeah. did have that elements in it. But what was going on is we got to know the cops that were working there, and all of a sudden, and I don't remember his name, but he he's in a lot of the Reno nine one one sketches, and he can play creepy, and then he plays. He, uh, <laughs> Let me guess, he has a mustache. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah. Uh, well, he comes That's in through the front doors and kills like half the cops. And one of the the uh, one of our main cops that we're following, this really good uh, uh, black actress that was in Violent Night, she was amazing in that. She is a badass in this movie, and she slides into the cell and shuts the uh, the the room where the cells are and shuts the door, so he can't get to either of the prisoners. So this guy kills all of them, and he's looking through the door, and he he knows. Uh, Gerard Butler is another like assassin. So he's there. He's there to also do the kill. And he, he's like, "Let us out of the cell. We'll get you out of this." And uh, the guy behind the glass from Reno 911 is like, "Let me in there and kill this guy, and I'll leave." So it's like a stand down. And the whole movie is kind of like assault on precinct 13. It all takes place in that confined what year environment. Is this? It's like 2017, maybe okay. or something. So, so it was it was decent. Ago. It wasn't that bad. But the movie that I had watched that people were like, "Well, if you like this movie, check this movie out." actually made my really good list and it was called the wrath of man and i even texted justin and said justin find this movie watch it as soon as possible i think it's available on amazon prime uh actually i think it all might also be on hbo max now wrath of man is guy ritchie and jason statham and guy ritchie is back guy ritchie is back man and i was very disappointed with the gentleman i'll be the judge of that the wrath of man was good dude it was really good it was just like guy ritchie used to be and uh because he he had slipped big time he i liked rock and roller rock and roller probably he was getting more money Uh, and then when you give well then he did that madonna movie but was that any good no it was uh, like a totally different movie. It was like a romantic something. It was called Swept oh, Away or something. Okay. Uh, but then he did The Gentleman, which he was kind of getting back there, but ultimately was a bad movie, I thought. And then I watched Wrath of Man, and I was like, all right, let's did give Guy Ritchie. Uh, I think he did. I think he wrote it and I, he directed it. It's very good. Because I think he only should direct movies so he writes. So the basic premise of The Wrath of Man is um, Jason Statham is – uh, has to get revenge on people that killed his son, and he's going to get into a uh, armored car service that uh, that is all the guards that go around at the armored uh, cars and everything. But Jason Statham's connected; he's almost like a mob boss in this. So he kind of he he sneaks in and he he does the training and everything, but he doesn't do it so good. He's a, the guy's like who's trained him says seventy is passing as long as you pass. And he's like you just squeaked in at a seventy, realizing that later on this motherfucker is. A, and they go through the shooting, they go through him driving through the cones and everything. Later on, you realize, oh, this guy is the shit, dude. Like we we knew that was gonna happen with Jason Statham, but 
who was you got to know all the guards and everything, and then you realized, oh shit, he is in here because he knows that uh, the mob is going to be hitting them, and then if he if he's there on the job when the mob hits him, he can get his revenge on the mob, and it's a whole bunch of like back and forth, told at different times, Guy Ritchie shit, man. But basically, it's centered around an armored car service. Uh, Josh Harnett's in this movie. I haven't seen Josh yeah. Harnett in ten years. He looks phenomenal looks like he hasn't aged a year and he's really good and he, he downplays him he kind of plays the the guard who's a little standoffish and he's kind of more afraid of dying than than some of the guards there it was told he was good as super Moneyball. well uh josh harnett he played he played robert redford's younger self that was drafted into the remember they did that backstory where they he was drafted. Robert Redford. You thinking Moneyball? No, money. Brad Pitt's character. Oh, Brad Pitt's character. So Brad Pitt's character was an older, yeah, retired MLB. Yeah, yeah. Almost going to be a superstar. They threw him a ton of money. Hartnett was in. There? Hartnett was the, was played his younger self. I don't think that was Hartnett. Yeah, I, you check that shit up. I don't think it was. I think Hartnett. I don't. I'm not sure if Hartnett was in there. Uh, I remember that younger self, and I don't think it was. I don't think it, I saw that somewhat recently, but I will definitely apologize <laughs> if he's not in it because i know he's been missing from movies for quite some time but he's going to be in he like was that lucy lou movie that was really good. yeah that was the last time i think any of us saw him. that was a really good uh movie. yeah that was the lucky number 11 that yeah. was the last time i think any of us saw him i've yeah. had to talk people into watching that movie yeah i think you had to talk me into seeing it it was good it was not quite as i didn't like it as much as you and justin did but i, I did like it and i think upon other viewings i probably will like it more um so Wrath of Man, that's all I'll tell you about it. You know, I, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. It's awesome. It's everything Guy Ritchie does great about it and nothing he does bad about it. It didn't make my fantastic list because I, I, I need to hold the standard a little high, but man, it was really, really good. Uh, anything about him? No. I gave up. Gave up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do I really care? We'll let the listener, we'll let the listener check. I'm okay with saying things wrong. I don't care. <laughs> If he's not in it, I, I think I like the idea of him playing young him anyways. Yeah. Uh, well, my fantastic movie, you know, one movie that made my fantastic list this week, and I have heard about this for months, and it didn't come to the theater here, and then when it did, it was at the crappy theater here for like two weeks, and I was like, I might as well just wait. And then I, I finally just rented it, paid the 5 9 on iTunes and rented this movie. It's nominated for Best Picture for the comedy, uh, and it is a comedy, but it is a dark satire. And have you heard of Triangle of Sadness? Have you heard of that movie? No. It's phenomenal. Really, really good. And it's one of those movies that I think I'll like even better on every viewing. It has that P.T. Anderson quality to it uh, that every viewing is like two and a half hours long. It's, it's really great, and it's a complete satire, almost as much of a satire on the rich and wealthy as American Psycho is on the rich and wealthy and kind of uppity kind of pricks out there. So what's going on in the movie is these rich models and gorgeous people and just rich old people are on a yacht, and the yacht hits hard water, and there's... The first hour of the movie is just getting to know these assholes, like ordering the uh, the the waiters and everything. There's a great scene where this rich woman, uh, this rich they have Russian, a full staff. They have a full staff. They're all dressed to the nines, and they're here to please these rich and powerful. All these people have at the minimum like. $300 million in their bank or something. And some of the younger people who are influencers got on the boat somehow because of being influencers. But they, they still, even those guys look gorgeous. And um, 
So there's like a great scene to show you how belittling they are. The the Russian woman says, I, I, I want to see you guys in the pool. And the woman's like, oh, well, we're actually serving everyone. No, I want you in the pool. Are you telling me no? Are you telling me no? <laughs> and, and she's, yes, no, yes. And then you see everyone, all the uh, the help, want have to get in the pool and take a swim and go on to the slide and everything because this one rich Russian woman wants it to happen. It's like, what the hell? And Woody Harrelson's the only name in this movie, and he plays the captain who's completely drunk through half the Who? movie. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Yeah. For the first half hour, he won't come out of his room. You just hear his voice. I'll be all later. The captain's dinner's coming up. Ah. So he finally comes out for the he's captain's dinner. He's the head dinner. of the family? You know, he's the, the captain, who de- but he's not. He's the only one who's not rich. At the dinner uh, scene, which is an infamous scene because the water gets really rough and everyone starts puking their guts out. So much so that... They're on a boat? That they're on a yacht, like a high-end, high-end yacht. And... Uh, or cruise line, I guess, but it's it's really high end, and uh, everyone starts puking, and pukes going on everyone and everything, and no one can handle it. And Woody Harrelson just keeps drinking with this old Russian guy, and they're like they're quipping back and forth. But uh, he, Woody Harrelson's the only one who has a burger where everyone has like octopus and like fancy ass food. So what happens is, and this is like an hour and a half into the movie, the the ship goes down, that or it. it it almost goes down and you see pirates board it and all of a sudden a grenade goes off and blows the whole fucking thing up. And there's like eight survivors on the island. And the last hour is the eight survivors on the island. And what's interesting is one of the survivors, a bunch of the rich, a bunch of the rich, and then one woman who was the, they call her the toilet manager on the boat. But she knows how to fish. And she knows how to make a fire. So now she's rich. And so she, she, there's a great she's scene. This is where I'll leave it. But she, she makes a, uh, she catches the fish. She chops up the octopus. She gives everyone a piece. And she's like, one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. And she has this whole pile. And the woman, the, the woman who ran <laughs> all like, the stuff on the boat, she's like, what's that pile? She's like, that's my pile. And she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, she's like, I cooked this. I made the thing. This is my pile. And she's like, well, that's not fair. We're all here together and everything. And she's she's like, well, I'm the captain. You're the captain there. Or you're in charge on the boat. I'm the captain here. And she looks at one guy and she's like, who's the captain? And he reluctantly says, you. Throws a piece of the octopus too. Nice. Who's the captain? <laughs> and every one of them got a piece that said, said it. And now from that point on, she runs this fucking island, man. And it's yeah. a crazy movie. I'm like, what the hell is this? And it's slow at <laughs> no times. No one's pulling for the rich people. It's sl- no, and it's very satirical. And it's slow at times. And you're like, is this a good movie? And then something happens. You're like, man, this is a good movie. <laughs> and it's one of those ones I think gets better at every viewing. I think people are going to start hearing a lot about Triangle of Sadness, but uh, which I guess refers to that point above your nose between your eyebrows where i guess people say they have like resting bitch face i guess and i guess that's the triangle i don't have sadness. a wretched they bitch, refer to it i don't in the movie, have a resting that's where the uh, no, that's where that comes from but all right but today's movie on our very first to be tuesday where we're going to talk like i said we're going to talk about movies that are overall good movies star great actors that we've heard about and uh and we'll discuss them we'll break up the cast we'll talk about the crew we'll get a little details about it and then we'll talk about some trivia so i had seen this on my own i had made a list earlier in the year i'd gone on a google search of the best 70s crime movies 
of all time. And then I eliminated the ones I'd seen and I just made note of the ones that I thought looked good or the ones that were very highly rated. And this was one of them. This was on the top of everyone's like 50 best crime movies. And it's, it's 1977 and it's called Rolling Thunder. Before we get into it, let's give me your thoughts. What do you think? Did you like the movie? I liked the movie. I And I'll, I can get into the reasons why I didn't like some of it. Certain parts of it? Okay. Um, and, and it had nothing to do with, like, I think it was one of those instances where I wanted to see more of one thing. Yeah, you wanted to make a different movie, obviously, I, uh, it, in the modern kind of aspect of, like, because it was a very 70s like, movie. No, but I mean, like, Tommy Lee Jones's part oh, it's awesome. would have been a lot bigger in, I, my, in my fantasy he almost, movie. He almost, in my opinion, he almost elevates this movie from a decent movie to a really good movie. Yeah. And he's not in it a whole lot. And who was the, Dabney Coleman, right? Was he in it? Yeah, but he just played a he nobody. Played a really tiny, tiny yeah. role. That well, was weird. I don't to think me. Debbie Pullman was huge in the seventy-seven. Yeah, I, I forget. Yeah, and he did have a little tiny role in it. We'll talk about and characters. the lead. Who was the lead? William uh, Devane. William Devane. Yeah, and William Devane. I think most people either know from the two. Uh, Bad News Bear sequels or from Payback. Payback is a big one that I think people know him from. And he, he's one of those faces and the voices that I think people always knew. I'm, I'm not sure what other... definitely interesting looking. I love William Devane. I've always liked voice him. His like really like yeah. nasally That's in the actually, back of your throat. It's probably one of the best William Devane impressions <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> it is very William Devane, man. I love the guy. So let me give you the synopsis. And then we'll go into the cast and the crew. And then we'll, we'll talk after we do that. We'll talk about the, the meat of the movie itself. So the movie is William Devane and his, his, uh, his partner are both military guys. They're getting back from a prison camp right around, uh, the end of Vietnam after the Vietnam is over. I'm assuming 77 Vietnam has already ended. So they were still, and this was still happening at that time where they were getting soldiers back. I mean, it happened with John McCain. It happened with a lot of people. In- in the one of the first things that I noticed, and without getting too far into the movie, is that this is one of those movies that used Vietnam flashbacks, where it actually helped the person later yeah. on in life, gave them more peace because they knew it was how bad that yeah. much they could yeah, take. Yeah. Oh, where other favorite... people, it was usually they were just emotionally fucked up over yeah. it. Yeah, one of my favorite lines: "You gotta love the rope. You gotta yeah. learn to love the learn rope. Learn to love the rope." Oh my god, such a great line for this movie. <laughs> uh, I love this movie. This has definitely made my fantastic list, but. So William Devane is coming back, and when they're welcoming him back, they give him like twenty five hundred dollars in like silver dollars. Yeah, and they they show everyone, and then he one br- for every year he yeah. was in captivity. Yeah, it was like, and so he brings it uh, back to his house. He he never really even knew his kid. His kid when he left, his kid was like two years old, didn't remember him. So he's got to relearn his uh, to love his kid, and he he meets his wife, and his wife is completely up front with him and saying, I've been with another man and, uh, and she can't, and he, and he handles it quite well. You could tell that he don't give a shit about his wife. He cares about his kid. Yeah. And as long as, and he tells him basically that I understand you had to do what I had to do when you weren't gone. And, uh, basically, uh, I just want to have a relationship with my kid. So before any of this does happen, some, a group of like redneck thug comes in and says, you need to give us. Well, he was on the news, and they saw they saw the all gift the money and all the stuff that he had got. Yeah. yeah, and they said, "We want that silver. We want those silver pieces. We know you have twenty five hundred dollars." And I mean, in seventy seven, I'm assuming that's probably more like twenty thousand or something. More. So I guess it's it's worth it, maybe. And, and in eighty, our eighty three, our mortgage was three hundred. Yeah, a month. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's crazy. So, I mean, it was a decent amount of money. And he's not going to tell him anything. He's been tortured by the best. What the fuck are you going to do? And yeah. they actually stick his hand into a garbage the disposal. The worst fear of it. They're and playing on people. I'll go into some trivia right about there, this yeah. scene because this scene, they, they went all out on the scene and they cut the hell out of it where it's, it's just like them putting it in yeah. and then him pulling a stump out and everything. It's all you had to see. And then these guys needlessly shot the uh, the wife and the daughter and they walked out and left son and son and left uh, William DeBain for dead but not not really they sh- they should have killed him is what they did but they didn't kill him they left him alive so now we've opened up to this great revenge story yeah one I mean, thing I should tell you otherwise. when we start talking about the cast do you know who played the uh, the main dude that broke in the house that was sweating his ass off uh no that's Roscoe Pico train oh, from uh, Dukes of Hazard, the very likable okay uh, deputy yeah, I can see it <laughs> it's crazy who it, originally and I think it's in my trivia I don't want to jump too far forward but originally he didn't want to do the role because of the swearing in it and everything and then he was like all right I'll do it uh so the cast William Devane now I, I I wanted to see because I definitely wanted to do this with Tom Lee Jones I wanted to know how old he was when they made the movie too so William Devane was 37 years old when he made the movie. Uh, Tom Lee Jones was around 30 years old, just around 30 years old. He looks young. In he looks story. really young. I mean, he looks kind of how he did in Coal Miner's Daughter, but I think that's because Coal Miner's Daughter happened around the same time. No country for old men. He's an old man. Oh, he, he's one of those guys that aged into those wrinkles yeah. on his face, and he just, you could tell, he just has that look like he spent most of his life in the sun, yeah. and that you just kind of get that way after a while, which is fine. I mean, age is the way you age. So suntan lotion. To mention, I, I could have went through these. This is this is more what people would know William Devane from. So I've got him on here. One of the movies we're definitely going to be eventually talking about on Tuesdays, to be unless it leaves because things do leave on Tubi Tuesdays. So things I got planned now may not be gone. They give you like a gone in three days type uh, notification, so you can like jump forward and watch it if you need to. Yeah. But one of my favorite ones, and I actually own this on VHS. I don't own it on DVD because it's super hard to find. Is called Report to the Commissioner with Yafat Kodo, and it's an awesome 70s crime movie uh, movie you'd love it i i've mentioned it before once it had the best foot chase i've ever seen on film uh it's unbelievable it lasted Even better for about, than the ray Liotta one. Uh, it lasted for like 12 minutes and they go on top of buildings on the streets through stores Jason Pat. and and it's unbelievable i couldn't believe how long it lasted so William Devane was in that. That was one of the first things we saw him in. He, he played like a lawyer in that. Then he went on. And he was in, I think most people probably got on his radar from Family Plot because it was a Hitchcock movie and everyone watched Hitchcock. Marathon Man is definitely what we know he, him from. He was in a lot of... He was great Marathon Man. That's probably what he you was remember never from the most. He was a star like this. No, no, no. This was probably the biggest thing he's ever done as a lead actor. It's one of the best things he's done too. I mean, he plays. He plays a, he lot plays of a supporting roles really well. Does a lot of that marathon man role of him was great. He came in just to kind of break that whole movie down, basically. Yeah. Uh, but he was. I remember really liking him as uh, Boilermaker. I thought he was good in the bad, uh, the Bad News Bear movies. So he was in Breaking Training, and I think he was in the Japan one also. But I'm not sure. I don't have a list there. Uh, payback. He had a huge break. He like 25 years. He was just doing minor stuff, and then he had a huge break with payback. And when he was back, so he did payback, and then because of that resurgence, he did Space Cowboys. He was one of the ones that went up to space with Clint Eastwood and okay. whoever else was in that movie. I can't remember. Um, Hollow Man. He was in Dark Knight Rises. He plays the president, and I'm pretty sure he played the president also in Interstellar. But he was in Interstellar, and then after that, I haven't heard anything from him. Interstellar. There's a movie if you want to bend your mind a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take an edible and watch. (laughs) 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 
so Tommy Lee Jones, like I said, he's around 30 years old. He had done Jackson County Jail was like the most famous thing he did before this. And that was one of those like black exploitation, women in prison cages. It was like 10 of them that came out. And Jackson County Jail was actually one of the better ones. So he was in that and then he did this. And then um, then he did Eyes of Laura Mars, which I really enjoyed him in. Coal Miner's Daughter. And then... Uh, after Coal Miner's Daughter, he didn't do much until The Package. Remember, he mm-hmm. came in. People still didn't know who he was, really, in, yeah. during The Package, because he played that assassin in it. Really good. If you haven't seen The Package... I saw it recently. Really actually. good. That might be a Tubi movie. That's got Tubi written all over it. Uh, and then JFK is where he really became big. 91, when JFK came out and he played Clay, that's when, from if you look at his filmography, and I didn't have anything written down after that, he just took off and everything's been upwards uh, ever since then. That's where we knew him as Timely Jones. Uh, the only other people that were in this, that Linda uh, Haynes, who played the main girl that he kind of went with that that followed him around uh, and didn't wear a bra for the rest of the movie. She did not. <laughs> she was in Coffee, uh, the Pam Greer movie, and she was in Brubaker, which is that movie with Robert Redford where he pretends to be a prisoner, but he's actually the, the warden. Uh, and he, that's how he comes into the new jail, just to see how the jail yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. That was a good movie. It had a good concept, and the first half hour was great, but he came out of it too early. I wanted to see him in that role in the, yeah, through yeah. the whole movie in the last 10 minutes come out, well, and he didn't. Well, the way I feel about this actress is I got sick. That The only problem yeah, I have with this movie... she's not a great actress. I got sick of her as part of the group yeah. early on. I, I would have rather him see him go off on his own. He used the hell out of her, though. Yeah, like, he in did. A, in a... Yeah, go in, in a there shitty and ask way. for somebody, and then, then <laughs> I'll follow you in there with a gun. You might get raped, but I'll yeah. be I'll be there yeah. eventually. I mean, he's, he's but not, that was over her character pretty quick. I it was a charming character. I mean, William Devane, he's a war hero in this, and he's our hero in this. But there's a lot of anti-hero stuff with him. He oh, is yeah. one kind of sided. Uh, Dabney Coleman, I don't know what the hell, and then James Best, who's the one who plays uh, Roscoe Pico Train. So. As far as the crew goes, uh, John Flynn was the director. The other things he did that we know of was uh, the outfit seemed like a really great movie that I'm going to have to watch, but I don't know. I've never seen it, but I put it on here. Best Seller, do you remember that? It was James no. Woods and, uh, and Brian uh, Doyle Murray. No, Dennehy was in it. Uh, but the two movies we have seen that we know that John Flynn won was Lock Up with Stallone mm-hmm. and Out for Justice, the Steven Seagal movie which had one of the best villains ever. But what what did make this movie very notable and really great was Paul Schrader uh, wrote this movie. Paul Schrader, if you not know, Paul Schrader wrote Taxi Driver, Obsession, Raging Bull, Mosquito's Coast, The Last Temptation of Christ. He had some hits. Uh, Bringing Out the Dead. But he also directed a lot of stuff. He directed that Blue Collar, which is that movie that I got you with Richard Pryor in, in it with the Afakoto. Uh, he directed Hardcore, which I would love to do on Tubi Tuesdays. Have you seen that? It's basically, um, it's like Get Carter, but uh, it's like Get Carter and 8mm combined. Uh, George C. Scott's daughter uh, goes missing, and he has to go look for her, and she got into the underground porn in really L.A. Cool. underground, so he had to like strip all his clothes off and make him look grungy like he was a producer of these movies, and the whole movie is him just going in the underbelly of the porn industry to find out what happened to his daughter. It was really good. called Hardcore. Uh, so Paul Schrader directed that. He also directed American Gigolo, Cat People, Affliction, Autofocus, uh, which is one of the Paul Schrader's best, in my opinion, oh, yeah. and, and the crappy Dominion Exorcist movie, which is... Uh, that's kind of when he fell off. That's when people were like, ah, stick just to stick writing. to writing, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the life right there. The cinematographer on this was impressive, man. Jorgen, Jordan Krenweth, 
was the cinematographer on this movie, and he's famous for doing Altered States, Blade Runner. I mean, you could stop right there. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the best cinematography I mean, it felt in movies. Like, it felt like a 70s movie. Yeah. Uh, it, he also was a cinematographer on Stop Making Sense. Uh, Peggy Sue got married, so he worked with uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola. He was the cinematographer on State of Grace and on Final Analysis. Uh, the the score on this, which was quite good, was done by Barry Devorzin, who is famous for... He looks like he did a bunch of Walter Hill stuff. He did Hard Times, and he did The Warriors, but then he also did Night of the Creeps and Exorcist Three. So, interesting. So, some... Like random details about this movie. One of them is super surprising here. The 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 gross of this movie. Holy shit! So this movie was released February sixth, nineteen seventy eight. It's yeah. a good Valentine's Day movie. <laughs> uh, filming locations all in San Antonio. Uh, definitely showcased a bunch of San Antonio. It felt it. Uh, the budget was everywhere I looked for the budget. There was it was either between two or five. So I, I'm gonna guess two to five million. But the one thing people agreed on was the gross of this movie. So it cost two to five to make, mm-hmm. and it made $130 million. That it's is gonna, fucking It's got to be in the top 100 of all profit margins. At that point. I mean, I mean, profit margins for sure, but even at that point, who the fuck pays two or five million dollars and makes $130 million? But I think the 70s just wasn't a lot of shit around. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody pumps out movies now yeah. like they're going out of stock. Some random... What uh, did the... What did the uh, that... Ghost in the Woods. Oh, the, uh, um, what do you call it? The Ghost in the Woods. I like that name better. Blair, uh, Witch, Blair Project. Witch Project. Yeah, I think that was like $35,000. And if you look that up, it might have been like, like $700 million or something. Million or $600 million or something. Or something. Yeah. That luckily, has to be the highest. Luckily, those guys were smart enough to put in the contract that if it makes over 100 they get a certain okay. amount or else they would have been screwed. How sidetracked do you want to get? <laughs> you can sidetrack us a little bit. Um, I'm just, I'm about have to. Have you heard anything about break. the Avatar movie? I had my tickets to it, and I and I didn't show up because you can do that when you have the uh, the Regal Pass. Oh, they like, just hold tickets yeah. for you. I I bought Why the not? tickets are like fifty five cents, so if I decide not to go, I just have to pay the fifty five cents. I was like, whatever. Yeah, and I've learned not to buy them ahead; just buy them the day of, because you never know how you're gonna feel that day when you wake up. Yeah. Like I was gonna buy tickets to the whale to go see on Friday, and I'm like, oh, it's freezing. It's gonna be freezing on yeah. Friday. I might not want to wake up and go, so I'm gonna wait. But I do want to see the whale. But I had tickets for it, and what I heard is. It's one of the most beautiful thing you'll ever see, but it also just rehashes the the main yeah. kind of plot of the first one. Yeah, Stephen Lang's in it. They resurrected Stephen Lang. Yeah. The one thing I can applaud and I'm pissed about is apparently there are people in the movie, but they haven't shown a single one in any of the drillers. <laughs> I haven't seen an image from Avatar of any human beings, like in promotional stuff or anything. But everyone seems to love it, so I, I think I I'll mean, go I see it, it. But I think I'm going to wait a little bit. I, it's a good thing he made all four at the same, the four at the three. same time. Well, I, four. I total. don't think he's doing that. No, he did it already. I think there's three, and uh, you think three is made? I didn't. And think four. Three. I don't think those are two are made. I read a story read yesterday, it? He, and he said and he read? Act, it was it was Damn. the actress. She's in all of them. Yeah, and she's telling how she kept track of what which one was movie which? they were doing when they were doing a scene. I mean, that's cool. I mean, so, that's so... Well, I think he it. was worried about if this one doesn't make budget, they're not going to give me $2 million. I don't think they're going to make as much... Well, good thing he's got all the deal made and it's that's all what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He already, already made it. Because I don't think it's... His nut on it is crazy. It, it's like he has to make $700 million or something like no, that. I thought it was close to like $1.7 billion. Really? Yeah. To one point seven to break even. Yeah. He's cocky about it too. Do you hear? I've told Justin about this. But is that for too. all three remaining movies? Maybe two maybe, through four. Maybe because then be. I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. Then just I bet re- it's not. I bet it's that I bet first it's one. Not. 
I bet it's not. He's a crazy person. Yeah. I, did you hear what he said? I, I had told Justin, but I might have mentioned on the pod before where uh, people were asking. Oh, uh, wh- stay wh- on the. Yeah. When's there a good? No. When's there a good uh, spot to go to the bathroom during it? He says, just go whenever you feel like it. you're going to go see it twice. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Right. <laughs> I was like the cojones well, on this guy. I mean, it has to be like I saw it advertised as being in an IMAX. Like, From what I hear, 3D is a way to see it. And it cost 3D. me an extra three bucks to see it in 3D, so I might see it Do you have to 3D. wear glasses like you used to? Yeah, but they're good glasses. Right. They're, like, comfortable and everything. Uh, so, I don't know. I might... I, I'm going to go see it. I'm just not sure if I'll I see it I think we watched... I think we had glasses and watched the first... They did a broadcast. They yeah, they were just, weren't very good. Uh, or no. what now? When we were growing up. Oh, yeah, they, they did... The first uh, night they did 3D, they were... They did just yeah, it was someone, on TV. He just had, like, one of those sticks that shoot... Yeah. Out and then come back in. Oh yeah, and he did it right at the screen, and you had these weird glasses on. It was blue our cool. minds. Blue our minds back then. It's like look where the world is now. <laughs> Sex robots. Yeah, I mean, well, soon you won't even need the glasses. I mean, you just go into three D movies. Soon you could stay in the matrix. You don't stay even in have front to of get you. up. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll be going. If, to... if someone that had a shitty life woke up and saw they were in the matrix, would they be really pissed? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you, you did that on purpose. <laughs> Unless your life's great, put me back, plug yeah. me back in. Oh, uh, all right, the trivia. There's some good trivia on this. So uh, Quentin Tarantino named his distributing company Rolling Thunder Pictures uh, after this movie because he loved it so much. Uh, the company eventually went under to poor sales because it was one of his distributing companies when he kind of first started out. But I love that he named his uh, his production company after it. Uh, James uh, Best, I had mentioned, initially turned down the role until he found uh, because of the swearing. But he found out Devane and Tommy Lee Jones were attached to the movie, so he did it, which is interesting because those guys were like early on. I mean, I don't know what he saw Devane and Tommy Lee Jones in that he loved so much uh, that he went on. I mean, to do at it, the but... time, if you're even in a movie, like he wasn't famous. I mean, they may have been good theater actors too. Those yeah. guys, uh, who knows? Uh, Trader was super pissed apparently that they changed his script. Originally, Devane's character was more similar to Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. People say that, that okay. read the script that it was a, almost exactly uh, Robert De Niro, and you could tell like he, they on pl- the edge, yeah, like on the edge and just sadistic as fuck. He does not give a we shit. And Devane is be- somewhat sadistic, but he is still likable. He's still likable in the movie. Yeah, uh, he's kind of. He- it's he's just kind of gone at some yeah, point. Yeah, when you get it. He watched his wife and his yeah. child killed. I mean, anyone's going to go uh, a little batshit crazy. In, in my opinion, he probably was a little bit reserved. Uh, so apparently in an advanced screening of the film, the uh, the audience actually, and I'll explain this uh, coming up too, the, the audience actually got up and tried to physically abuse the studio personnel that were at the theater because they were so angry. And this all comes down to that scene with the hand that they went all <laughs> this will be a uh, a line that only you me and Justin will get but they went all sweet sorrow on that that arm scene uh-huh. they put like a a lamb shank in there and it was dripping and it was uh, meat, meat falling everywhere. everywhere and it was like the grossest thing anyone Texas had seen. Texas Chainsaw like, style. Well, that wasn't, there was no none of this and that. So well, I don't what even you know. would imagine to be there. Yeah, but I'm not even sure at 77 what this was comparable about to in, t- in terms of grossness. So apparently the, the level was pushed way too far. That hand looked like it was devoured in this that. a test audience? Yeah, a test audience apparently. <laughs> and so other stuff happened well, to that. they got right? their feedback, didn't they? Uh, so other stuff to make note of, Christian Christopherson was set to star but had to drop out. Uh, 
But he was like ready to film and they had to drop out and that's when they got Devane. It would have been interesting to see Christophus and I'm I'm glad it was Devane. I'd rather see Devane in it. But also people that were considered for it was uh, David Carradine. I can totally see that. Joe Don Baker. I can totally see that. And then Richard Jordan, who I, I learned more about Richard Jordan lately. He was the guy, you know him. I know how to immediately get you to know who he was. Uh, Hunt for October. You lost another submarine? Okay. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Well, early in his career, he did a lot of cool movies. He was in He that, looks like William Devane. Uh, what was that movie? The Friends of Eddie Coyle, he was really good in, too. So he could have totally done this all what, what was the one movie? When I'm not... That means I'm a politician, so when I'm not kissing babies, I'm stealing their lollipops. Yeah, <laughs> stealing their lollipops. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> that was, I think, the same movie. Uh, Hunt for Red October. Oh, yeah, yeah, when yeah, he, yeah. When he had him alone in the room. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is St. Richard Jordan's line. I get it now. Uh, so originally 20th Century Fox was supposed to release the film, but was disturbed by the violence, so sold it off to American International Pictures. Uh, the film made Gene Siskel's top 10 list of 1977. That was pretty, that's when that meant something, you know, back then. <laughs> so uh, did they ever run it with the, I don't think over so. the top violence? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, so apparently Devane was pissed the movie wasn't a bigger hit after a disastrous sneak preview the studio didn't release it as wide as they should have and that he even made notice of how uh uh what's the guy from uh, bonnie and clyde uh warren Beatty. apparently warden Beatty was basically doing the same style kind of movie at that time but it was a little bit more purity and they uh distributed it the right way and that movie was a big hit and this one wasn't because it they were afraid. They were afraid of the violence, and I think even taking the the hand scene out of it, it still had a kind of level of violence that people weren't ready for about. So something else about the hand scene: the hand scene was edited after the sneak previews. Patrons were horrified, and they said they would never recommend the, friend, the movie to friends and family. Like one hundred percent of them said they would never recommend it to anyone. One hundred percent because of that scene. I guess that's where a test that's audience crazy. comes in handy. Yeah. It said among other accounts at the. It sounds like they could make a movie or a documentary just about the test screening uh-huh. because it says, among other accounts at the infamous sneak preview where it was a woman fainting, people running into the lobby, demanding their money bag, and a man freaked out so much that he crashed his car Here's into Here's the story that I was telling you earlier. Yeah. We could make a little 10-minute documentary Shit. using stock footage and voiceover. I know. I, I wonder if they had footage at all. It would have been great. You so, don't even really need it. You can just pull to, stuff from the movie. To be so freaked out that people are running... Well, they cut those scenes out, which sucks. Uh... I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I wish there was a director's cut. Maybe you don't even need to show the scene. Cut. You can just talk about it. Fuck that. I want to see this lamb shank scene that made people crash cars in the parking lot. Or, or at least what they would think would be. It would be good to see because obviously it's nothing as bad as Bone I mean, Tomahawk or anything like that. I mean, nowadays, I mean, you try look, to, at, look at a Life of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. The, the end scene violence. Yeah, yeah. It was comical because it was so ridiculously over the top. But yeah. It was still pretty violent. Oh, it was very violent. And that movie was up for an Oscar. So, yeah. I mean, I mean the, but it was. Time has shifted. I still have point. It's not as violent. It's not any less violent or more violent than the. Bone Tomahawk? Bone the. No, the scene with the ear, cutting that ear off and everything. Uh, Pulp was pretty bad. Well, I guess that was off screen, so that was the difference. But Bone Tomahawk, imagine releasing that in 77 and having those audiences. They think of uh, a juicy hand coming out of a. Garbage disposal is a big thing. That that's a major, major thing. Crazy. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the kind of the meat of the movie. So we we kind of laid it out as exactly how it was going until he went to get revenge. So was your main problem with it with was the the actress that she sh- just shouldn't have been there? I was fine with her to a point. To a point, you were like, all right, get rid of this. Yeah, bitch. I wish he had gotten rid of her a long like. T- and he does eventually. Fifteen minutes. 
sooner. Earlier. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, she, those first two scenes she did in um, Mexico, yeah. what was supposed to be Mexico. Yeah. Uh, the cantina, and then when they went, and she went in during the day, and someone was trying to buy him beer, remember? And yeah. He was already in there, and they sent him. But then the fight broke out there. Yeah. The weird thing that that I didn't understand is a guy that was cheating on, not cheating on, but was, was with his wife. Wife. Yeah. He was upon, good. Took he it was upon really himself to go and like help revenge him. So remember, he came and well, shot. Well, you got to remember, people. he lost his fiance. Yeah, I get it. Stepson. So he should almost he, be as pissed as what. Okay, Bain. so he had he had. The oh, he definitely movie. had reason to uh, to to find out what Devane's gonna do. He, he might even have helped him. You know, well, Devane never knew that he went down there looking for him. Yeah. So Devane. To all he into his character, he doesn't think he's dead. And what's interesting about this is, at the time that this took place, I mean, no cell phones, no internet, none of that. It's all word of mouth. Do you know this? Yeah. This one asshole, and then one guy led him to. If if this guy's a criminal, then you'd find him here. But every character in this movie is kind of creepy and rapey, and just. He he does he he goes to the first bar. He ends up meeting this. Uh, she wasn't a prostitute, was she? Was she just a dancer or or a? Uh, she was just a uh, like was, a bar bartender or uh, not bartender, who? like a waitress. The person he had with her, the girl that he had with her. She was the one at the prey that gave him the coins. That's right. So she he, was a groupie. She she yeah she was almost a groupie and she hung up. But she, she also worked at a bar and she quit the bar because he went he, in and said, "You want to go on a trip with me?" And she dropped her like tray right in the middle of the bar like, and went, and she this. thought they were like going to go have a weekend fun. Yeah, didn't realize that. Oh, you're going to go. You're going to use me as bait. Well, that's exactly what he does. He's going on a revenge trip down to Mexico to find the people that killed his son, not his wife. It, it almost is abundantly clear. Anyone he talks to, anytime he talks to somebody about it, he's like, these guys killed my son. Never once mentions his he wife. He didn't really care. Nothing much. Because she was cheating on him. I mean, obviously he had some kind of love for him like at some point. He was like six years or something. But I, I love that part of this, that he was a complete anti-hero. He's not completely likable and he's not completely a dick, but we completely understand anyone that's been in love or has he a puts kid. that hook down to that guy's hand, remember? That we didn't really mention at all, which is a big thing. That was pretty So gnarly. once he gets his hand chopped off, by the garbage disposal, he gets an old school hook put on his hand, oh, yeah. and he uses it several times. I think it's times probably modern technology in '77. Yep, and he learns how to do all sorts of stuff with it, to load guns with it, and he's he's really good with it. And he holds it up with his shotgun and everything. Shotguns used really well in this movie. So, the first third of the movie is kind of the developing of this story, and then it breaks into that revenge kind of find these guys, and then it kind of uh, all gets to that final climactic ending is when we bring um Tommy Lee Jones in which is great one of my favorite scenes well I'd like to jump in the middle in the beginning I want to go back to that scene where he talks about um you gotta love the gotta love the rope Mm -hmm. uh gotta learn to love the rope there's a scene where he is not adjusting well and he's not even staying in the house. With he's his, like living in a shed. He's living in the shed and everything. And the new husband of the wife, who's also a cop, comes in and he drinks a beer with him and everything. And they, you could tell that they're cool with each other. They, they both understand what happened and you're going to be nice to her. And he, they make it clear that he just wants a life with his son. And he's like, that. I'm completely fine with that. They made and, the best. But they, when he busts the rope out and he's like... He's like, I don't even... Well, yeah, started asking him questions about, about how it was over there. About like, the torture. You don't ask him questions. Somebody? Yeah, and he says, well, 
they they make it difficult for you, you know, and psychologically and painfully too. And they, he shows him. He says, "You want to see what they do to you?" He says, "Wrap this uh, rope behind my arms." And then he he has his arms behind his uh, his back. He wraps it real tight and he lifts it up. And he keeps asking him, "Lift it higher, higher!" And he's screaming it, screaming it, <laughs> and to the point where you realize. I, I think he, he almost. I think bit. he misses this, and I think he enjoys the pain that it's happening to the point where it got uncomfortable for uh, for the audience and for the guy doing mm-hmm. it, where he had to like stop it uh, all of a sudden. Which but is was, almost a very good Hitchcock type trick to do to the audience. Yeah, I loved it. I love that scene in particular. It's one of my favorite scenes from the movie where he's you don't you don't think about that that if someone was going to do that tor- that specific amount of torture to you over and over and over again, like he said, you got to love the rope. You got to look, almost look forward to the rope and this happening. That's the only way he was able to kind of wrap his head around that particular po- type of torture that was done to him. And I, I thought that was a great moment in the movie. Uh, but yeah, when he went out with that girl, completely used her, like we had mentioned early. Like he knew he was going in a bar. I want you to go in there and ask for Big Joe or whatever the name was. And she goes in there, a uh, among a among a bunch of criminals, and they take her into the back room, and she's almost raped, and he busts in and he sticks that friggin' hook in that guy's hand. Mm-hmm. He like brings his hook down on the table, and he wants information and everything, and he reluctantly like tells him go to this bar, and then that bar tells him to go to another bar, and it kind of leads them all to where he knows where they're gonna be. And we can jump forward to the Tommy Lee Jones stuff. I love. We don't get to see much Tommy Lee Jones, and I agree with you. If we could have another 15 minutes of Tommy Lee Jones stuff mm-hmm. with his family, I would have loved it. Yeah, he should Because the little they showed was really good. Like when he was, when we were at Tommy Lee Jones's house and William Devane showed up, and we were watching how Tommy Lee Jones lives, like at the table when they're all talking about mundane shit and uh, his, his, his girlfriend and his dad. And uh, when he, William Devane says, can I talk to you? And he's like, I, I found the guys who who killed my son. Tommy Lee Jones does not miss a beat. He's like, let me get my gear. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of what was the, uh, apocalypse now speech that he gave when he was home. He all, he dreamt of was being back, getting there. back so, in action. So when you're back there, then you're like, oh, what do you it's do? So, it said so much about Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee Jones was very quiet in this movie, but he, you could tell he was going to be an uh, awesome acting actor and he almost outacted William Devane in this movie he has he was more only, charisma and he, he was, just has more charisma naturally. yeah and but he's very stoic in the movie but you can see he's getting a lot uh off by his reactions to his family how excited he was when and, and excited for him is just get up and start moving you know it wasn't like he wasn't he doesn't crack a smile through the whole movie i mean he's very stoic in this whole thing and he kind of made a career out of that later in life i'm sure there's scenes i mean that's why you can't hardly picture Tommy Lee jones being two-faced where he's just laughing through the whole movie yeah i mean i I picture him no country for old men where he's just the fugitive just the fugitive i mean he's clever and he's quippy one of the greatest lines in all time and then i heard recently it was improvised which one is when he, uh, Harrison Ford was looking over the edge. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, and I don't he care. said, "I didn't kill my wife." Yeah. And he said, "I don't care." <laughs> like that yeah. was not in the script, and he just did it. That's awesome. And then the guy was like, "Man, that's such a great, better line than I wrote." I love his. I love his line from that. I'm always. I'm always uh, confused when I find leg irons with no legs in them. <laughs> so good. Uh, but yeah, when when he. When those two were together, and uh, literally Tommy Jones went in the closet, got a big like military bag, and filled it with all his guns, let's go. He said goodbye to his dad, and he—it's uh, almost like his dad knew what was going to happen. Yeah, he—you could tell that he 
he was going to miss everybody, but he specifically wanted to bye say, daddy. bye, yeah. daddy. I think he said daddy, too. Yeah. And uh, bye, son. And then he walked out of the room knowing that there's a very good chance he's not going to live through this. And we're not even sure of that. To uh, be honest and, with but you. when they get to that <laughs> scene where he goes to this basically kind of uh, whorehouse it down was, in Mexico. It, it almost reminded me like way of the gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go in there and... They have a plan that Tommy Lee Jones is going to go in there. Devane says, go in there, get a girl, and go upstairs. They don't know you. They've never uh, they seen They don't know you. you. They don't see you. They know me immediately when I go in there. He pulled he, his full dress uniform on, too. Yeah, yeah. So he goes in there, and uh, William Devane says, when I want you to come out of the room, I'll tap my gun with my hook. <laughs> and I'll do it repeatedly so you know to come out. And he... Uh, Tommy Jones goes in there. He uh, asks for a white girl and uh, brings him up to the uh, room and... Uh, he might have gone through with the sex actually if William Devane hadn't. Uh, uh, he showed up too soon. And he has a great line too when he does show up, and he he's like, uh, the girl's like, "What the hell's going on here?" He says, "I just got to go kill a lot of people." <laughs> <laughs> and that it's a sh- it's a shootout, man. It's a great shootout where they're at the top of the stairs they're outside the door everyone's getting a clip of everything there's uh, glasses being shot down on people and everything, and it's just a fantastic kind of ending to the a great revenge story because they made these guys scumbags everyone deep down i I know i love revenge stories you like revenge Mm -hmm. stories probably mom's favorite genre is revenge the last house on the left that that's a revenge one Uh, it's a short it's a such a short-lived revenge that's what makes that one uh difficult she gets revenge i spit on your grave they get revenge in the last Oh, I Spit on Your Grave is definitely a revenge one. Okay. Because Maybe that's when the, that one. the problem with uh, with Last House on the Left is the rape and torture happens 80% of the movie and the revenge is 20 mm. With I Spit on Your Grave, the rape and the thing is 20% and the revenge is 80%. They got the formula. They, that's what it is. <laughs> that's the formula. It's, it's all about the formula. <laughs> Keep the rape <laughs> down and the revenge up if you ever learn anything. Nowadays, <laughs> they just talk about it. I mean, you you don't even have to. You could you, you could can, start in like the, the hospital with somebody bruised and blood. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you could Cops just, taking a statement, yep. and you knew it you was the best You could do it completely from the statement of what happened, and that's probably how they would do it. If you, anyone hasn't noticed, nudity and sex has kind of basically disappeared in movies lately, which arguably so. I miss it, but well, people here's are like, a crazy oh, story I heard. This is definitely a tangent. <laughs> definitely. Who's the girl from... We're done with this anyway, so this is okay. a perfect time for Who's me. the girl from Stranger Things? Uh, Eleven, you mean? Yeah. Millie Bobby Brown? Billy, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. She is in a new movie coming up, and she she went off script and kissed yes, her I, co-star. I think I heard about that. And got in trouble with oh. the intimacy consultant because she was like, you have a power over him. That's you hard. guys didn't talk about it ahead of time. And I was like, whoa, that's where we're at right now? Yeah, like, that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, it seems like before... you. Am I playing his girlfriend? Okay, we're probably gonna kiss each other. Like, I, I mean, it'd be you, you have a drink with the other person, saying, "What level are we like going here?" If it was like him and he reached over and grabbed her boob, I could see them being really upset about that. But a kissing during an improvisational kind—I don't of know what the scene was. But and she'll never do it again, and that it really hinders half these. I think people forget how much movies are made like on the day, off the page, and where people are just talking about stuff spontaneously coming. Uh, and, and doing stuff in the scenes, have all our favorite movies were done that way. I mean, and it's it's crazy when you want to hinder people like that. But I, I guess it just maybe just one discussion ahead of time. Hey, you know, uh, yeah. you're allowed to take this as far as you want uh, up to this point. Or t- <laughs> what like do you mean, Larry Clark? Yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> Mr. Clark. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you're against this, watch Bully or Kids, and I guess you'll get exactly. Uh, <laughs> that was that. a good joke. Yes. <laughs> if you know Larry Clark is. Uh, but it's very true. His movies, you could tell that, ooh, man. And that was a movie. Those were movies that definitely needed, like, uh, sensitivity uh, consultants I mean, on, the, I'm all for on the screen. Making people comfortable. Just. Talk make, about everything that you're going to do. Yeah, don't make people uncomfortable and make sure everyone's cool with, like, a free form uh, to a point. E- even better joke would probably be Vincent Gallo, you know, from I, Brown Benny. Here's, when, uh, here's, Chloe- my, here's how you tie me into this story. Oh, boy. <laughs> I had to talk one of our actresses into doing a nude scene that she had planned to do yeah. for months ahead of time. We had it all planned, and the night before she was going to do it, yeah. her and the guy that she was going to act with in the scene broke up. Yeah. Yeah. So I she I said meet me at Nelly's. We're gonna have a drink, and then I I I oversold it. It was gonna not necessarily ruin the movie, but oh well, it was we, the opening we, we scene. All, we told her that she had an out. I mean, don't do it if you don't want to do it. But if oh, you, yeah. if you don't want to do it, you gotta tell us right now. Yeah, that that was more our concern when we had several people that no, tried I'm, to back out, like three or four, uh, because we, there was nudity in all our films, and we didn't want to make it. We definitely didn't make anyone more uncomfortable. We had limited people in the rooms, and if they didn't feel like doing it, boom, they didn't have to do it. But we also made it clear that we had to get somebody in there that uh, would do it. Silent Dove was complete. They took over that scene. Oh yeah, those guys had a lot more fun than uh, <laughs> that. That uh, that scene, the intimacy. People would. I mean, we had stuff between them and everything, but uh, I mean, they went all out. It, they took it beyond where we thought. Yeah. There was pull pull up. Uh, this will get our hits on uh, YouTube. Pull up <laughs> Silent Dove and watch the first five minutes. I am proud of that sex scene. That sex oh, scene yeah. looks great. That was one of the better sex scenes I've seen in a fucking movie. And uh, you should have seen what we did film that we didn't put in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and but there was a lot was, of deleting on those. This girl was super comfortable, and this guy oh, was yeah. super comfortable with whatever we wanted to do. But uh, that's how we tie in yeah. <laughs> that to that discussion. But, but Billy Bobby Brown, she got in trouble. Yeah. And, and I mean, we'll have to see where things go from there. But I don't think it's career ending, but no. enough to, she had to take a step back. What was your overall then rating of this? If you're doing, uh, if you're doing uh, my, my dog shit, decent, really good, excellent. Or six fantastic. or seven. Okay. So that would be around the very good kind of phase. It was, and your only complaint. There wasn't about really it. anything bad about the movie. Yeah. There was a lot of actors that weren't the, on the on the crew side that weren't great actors, but they didn't need to be. Yeah, yeah. So your acting was what kind of brought it down mm-hmm. for you. If well, it was a little bit better of acting. They, yeah, they needed... I, mean, I think as a revenge to, story, it was pretty it was classic. Pretty I mean, obviously, you have to look at these in ni- these movies in 1970s eyes, mm-hmm. you know, because our, our revenge stories are, like, intense now uh, with... There, they go all different. Like that, Wrath of Man was a revenge story that went in so many different directions, and so many different. The, if you took an eighteen-year-old and said, "Hey, watch Rolling Thunder," the, the remake, you're gonna watch something unique. You know, I don't know if you can consider it a revenge story, but probably that part of the new um, "The Hills Have Eyes" when he goes to their house. Uh, on Hills Have Eyes, when they the one with the RV and them in the desert. Yeah, he goes to where they live. Yeah, remember in those abandoned. They were oh, into in those the, abandoned the hills. Houses. I get, I get the new version and the old version confused, but I think they still. Yeah, he goes over to there, and it and just a bunch of crazy revenge. Like, oh, he yeah. think he starts killing. Yeah, them. I would call that a revenge. That's one of those revenge ones. I mean, the, their loved ones were killed for sure. I think the ultimate revenge one is Count of Monte Cristo. I don't think it gets revenge stories don't get better than that. As far as the novel and uh, the movie was done quite well, also. What do they say about? Revenge. It's a 
dish, dish best served cold. cold. That was pretty cold. And Wasn't yeah, that twenty years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is true. If if you're gonna get revenge on someone, you make sure this. <laughs> make sure they don't uh, remember it. From, oh, what's the idea? You've been planning this all day. I've been I'm planning, planning this, this all week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Denzel Washington. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> It's uh, it's great. I like a good revenge story, so I'm uh, I'm I'm happy with this as tightrope. Uh, I think that was a tightrope's good one. a good one. It's very good. Yeah, I like. Doesn't that fit one. into the scheme of the other revenge Dirty Harry movies, but yeah, they they took some chances on that. You know who was really really fantastic in that Wrath of Man movie? One of the main villains in this uh, was uh, Scott Eastwood. Clint Eastwood son. Okay. Looks just fucking like I've him. seen him. And he's a bunch. really good in this movie he, as the villain in it. And he's he's kind of a he's not a villain villain, but he's a villain. He's still a bad guy, but he had kind of good intentions, but he was on the the bad crew, I guess you'd call. And my God, why he hasn't uh come stepped in and done Dirty Harry. Because he's really good and he looks just like his dad. And how amazing would that be for a new Dirty Harry starring Scott Eastwood as him? Uh it's amazing how much he looks like him. Especially when he's doing that like squint thing. <laughs> with the his squinty eye. thing? The squinty thing. You know what I'm talking about. So yeah, that's Rolling Thunder. First in our two B Tuesdays kind of regular story. Did you say Ruby Tuesdays? And I'm gonna try to <laughs> like one thing I should do is I should probably post the poster midweek to let people know this week we're going to do rolling thunder because the the genius of kind of this segment is that you can go and watch it there's a lot of movies we talk play along at home you can't play along at home and you have to have a shot every time someone dies yeah (laughs) good luck in this one (laughs) you'll be out because there is a lot of death in uh in this movie but uh i i love the fact that uh because everything is not streaming it's so hard to find certain things and we talk about a lot of movies that you're either gonna have to buy before you can see them with, if you're willing to pay money you can find it anywhere yeah anything you, you want uh, within yeah, reason within reason you might not have a very good copy the the movie open season is probably my best but example i would imagine that. you can get i've been on youtube with this there's a movie i want to buy yeah but then I'll go to somewhere else and it'll be doing it for free. Yeah, so Open like, Season was the hardest one, and it's one of my favorite movies of the year. Like, not that was made in twenty two. It was that was the uh, the Peter Fonda one where uh, where there was also a revenge story uh, done. That was that was the one that was like surviving the game where they picked up two hitchhikers and decided to hunt them in the woods. It's crazy, uh, but that was a hard one to find. I think there was a YouTube version of it, but it was so god awful you couldn't even watch it. So I had to hunt down like a bootleg one uh from like the vhs tape because that's where it comes down to vhs you'll you'll still find a lot of these on vhs when you won't find them on dvd but you got to be willing to do that that's a good thing about tubi is they're putting those obscure ones onto their site this was not digitally remastered no 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 this was done uh, most of tubi i don't think was uh you're not gonna go there to watch any movies that look fantastic on their on their thing a lot of their movies are old school stuff. they just bought the license yeah they just bought the license and they can show them and it's a great place where we can watch classic mm-hmm. movies we grew up for yeah. free and i'm all for that i love those types of services uh what's the other one that does it pluto does it you could just go on to pluto for free and watch not only like uh sitcoms but also movies all day long it's awesome so Stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of really good ones. I think uh, me and Dave are definitely going to do as long. Like I said, I'll, I can name a couple of these off, but they're contingent on when we when we do it and if they're still on the site. I don't. Can know you how, get sued? How long? If you promise to do one when it's gone. Uh, Before the devil knows we're dead is definitely one me and Dave are going to do. You are going to love this movie. It's Sidney Lament's last movie, and it's very much in the spirit of a simple plan. So good. Like I said, mom watched it twice in two days. She loved it so much. Uh, and it's amazing. I, I, 
we can all, as these late stage directors, I think Quentin's one of the guys who wants to do 10 because he thinks a lot of these directors do lose it when they're older, which is true. A lot I mean, of the, you've seen a John Carpenter or a Brian De Palma movie or any of these movies. There's a couple that can do it. Spielberg can pull it off. Scorsese can pull it off. Sidney Lament did it all the way till he died. This is one of, and Sidney Lament's famous for it. Net, Network and Dog Day Afternoon and uh, 12 Angry Men and The Verdict and uh, Guilty as Sin, Family Business. I, I love him. He's one of my favorites. But this Before the Devil Knows You're Dead is one of the best movies. It stars Ethan Hawke and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and it is phenomenal. So that's going to be one that me and Dave are going to do. Me and Justin, I'm very soup to uh, for Justin to watch the green it's not the green room it's just called green room and you can watch that obviously too it's on Tubi and it is a fantastic movie I think it was around 2015 it was an indie movie with uh, Patrick Stewart uh, and Captain I don't want to tell you a whole bunch about it because it's was one of those, a spaceship no it wasn't it was very uh, had to deal with like skinheads and people in the wrong place at the wrong time type thing and trying to get out of that situation and it was it was phenomenal it was really well done so that's going to be done in our future so if you want to check out those but definitely keep up with us on Facebook on Facebook we'll keep you updated on what movie we're going to do that week that way you can watch it because it'd be great if we can just talk about these movies openly which we're going to do so I don't want to ruin them for anyone unless you're that type of people that doesn't care. But if you don't, you can always pause it, watch those movies on Tubi, and then come back and uh, listen to us talk about them. So we're looking forward to doing that over the next few weeks. We still have our anniversary episode that's going to uh, pop up. This actually is going to uh, – no, our Christmas one went up as number 250. Uh, I think we're going to do our anniversary episode around 254 uh, or 253 or something like that. Uh, technically, our anniversary is until 260 anyways, our five-year, but we're going to uh, – I've got the great trivia contest and we're going to do a wild card episode and our anniversary episodes are always wild and epic. So it'll be cool to watch and listen to it at his not watch. We're not on YouTube yet. I, so. I record everything on my phone. Oh shit. I'm making hundreds it's of dollars. Out there. <laughs> All right. But yeah, if you want to hit us up on uh, Facebook, uh, you could definitely contact me and Justin there, or you can contact us at, uh, through email fascinatedfilms at gmail.com, or you can leave us a like or comment on our two platforms, which are SoundCloud or iTunes. And we would greatly appreciate it. Until next week on a new To Be Tuesdays. See you. Bye. What the fuck are you doing? I'm going to kill a bunch of people.